This episode of Two Scoops is brought to you by Africa's Young, Black and Gifted. Cam. Mr. B. Is it recording? You know it. Let's give the people something new. It's time to serve it up. What's the scoop? Let's go. Serving it up, UK to the States. No tea, no shade, it's all grace. Nothing we can't discuss in this place. Black culture set the stage, please. Two scoops, baby. Yeah, two, two, two scoops. Wagwan, beautiful people. Welcome back to Two Scoops, episode number 10. We made it. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? We made it. I'm, Ten. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Mr. B. And I'm your co-host, Cam. Thrilled, thrilled, super thrilled to welcome our guest this week, joining us from the beautiful city of Johannesburg, Donald Nkomo. Donald is a 32-year-old Black South African gay man. He works as a communication specialist and is also a big social media influencer. Clock the followers and the content, if you don't believe me. He enjoys many things, including fitness, reading, swimming, going out with his people them, and meeting new folks. Donald is an ambassador of the 40 Under 40 Queer Game Changers in the Sadak region. Because he's very passionate about queer issues, he's regularly involved in activism work within the queer community. Join us in welcoming our fun, bubbly and charming guest, Donald Nkomo. Yay, thank you guys. Thank you for the warm welcome. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> thank you. Welcome so to good the to house. be here. Yeah, yes. so good to be here. Just so you know, folks, I met Donald back in 2018, which feels like forever ago. It does. What's hey. the club? Liquid, liquid blue? blue, liquid blue, yeah. It's one of the best times I've had in that city. Um, one night there, it was you know, it's like it's your typical R&B hip hop um, club. It's it was dark. It was amazing. It, it yeah. was just like yes, it gave me all the vibes. And here's this guy. So I think we met through either Yami or Sean or both of them. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Well, y'all see, if you look at the Instagram, like, Donna has a big, beautiful, bright smile. And, of course, even through the darkness of that mm-hmm. club, it shone through. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this guy is so gorgeous and just, so, like, full of light. And so, yeah, that's how we connected. And three years later, he is on an episode. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, funny story, I was at Liquid Blue last night <laughs> as we talk talking oh, now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> not, funny, not on the Monday, story. on the Saturday. <laughs> on a Saturday, yeah, on a Saturday. I was at Liquid Blue last night and it was still the same, still happening, a beautiful space for queer folks in Johannesburg. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. How was, your, how was your head this morning? You, you um, okay? I woke up feeling okay. Um, I came back quite early, about 10-ish hours in the house. Um, so I normally do my preps before I sleep, which means two liters of water before you sleep. Very important. Hydration, hydration. So yeah, that's... Um, so I woke up feeling tired, like I normally am, because I was dancing the whole day um, and the evening. But um, yeah... Feeling good. Beautiful. Good, good, good. Awesome. Well, y'all, it's about that time. As you know it, we're going to get into the scoop of the week.
Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to another segment of Scoop of the Week. I'm going to go first. So, the Soufriere volcano eruption last month, April, on the Caribbean island of St. Vincent caused severe damage, and the people of that nation are in so much need of support in so many ways. Thousands of islanders were displaced and are in need of your basic supplies like water, sanitary and hygiene products, food and clothing items. So the SVG Crisis Appeal was launched in association with the organization Red Root St. Vincent and the Grenadines. My niece and sisters-in-law here in London have been working so hard to raise awareness, raise money, and gather, gather items to help towards the recovery. Currently, there's a GoFundMe page that they've set up. So I'll put that link um, in the episode description. That link is going to be accessible until the end of June. And yeah, go check that out, please. The money raised will be used to help buy items needed, as well as to send barrels of donations to the island. So that already they've sent about four barrels, and I mean like big, big barrels, <laughs> if you can imagine, over to St. Vincent, and they continue to collect donations. And I believe there's still a couple more to be sent. So if you can support, it would be so appreciated. Um, oftentimes, you know, these small and or non-Western and read that as, of course, non-white <laughs> nations don't often get the media attention they should when it comes to crisis and disaster relief. Um, take a look at Colombia, for example, it's barely in the news. So I think it's so important that we just continue to spread awareness even as time passes and as the situation kind of calms down. I also want to share links of the charity organizations that are helping towards this relief especially that of the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality, which is an organization based in St. Lucia, which has created a fund to support LGBTQ people and people living with HIV and AIDS who have been affected by the destruction of the eruption of Soufriere Volcano. Thank you so much for bringing that to the table, Karen. Very important message. So, my scoop of the week... Um, so for the past couple of years, one of my favourite photographers, Iman Ali, has been documenting and photographing a small group of women on the, off the coast of Kenya on a small island. And for those of you that don't know who Iman is, she's a visual artist based in London and Amman. Her work intertwines gender, religious and socio-political ideologies, all under the umbrella of sexuality, with a massive focus on the Arab world. So. Iman Ali's ongoing photo series follows the women of Lamu to explore their sex-positive culture and reverence for their bodies. And uh, I want to direct you to Gaudet magazine. Um, Lubin Bin Zayad has a beautiful write-up on the project. I'm just going to read an excerpt from the article. I quote, Lamu is a historic island off the coast of Kenya that served as an important trading port for the Indian Ocean trade and the Islamic Empire. Famed for its coral stone and mangrove timber architecture, Lamu's seven centuries of history is home not only to a strong Swahili culture, but also to a unique fusion of Arabic, Persian and Indian traditions. This intersection between history, trade and culture has given the women of Lamu a unique view and approach to sexuality. What I'm loving about this project is it's not only stunning... It's telling an honest story and it debunks these ignorant Daily Mail stereotypes about Muslim women. 
it also explores everything within Swahili culture, decor, fabric, foods. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's stunning. So head on over to the culture section of Gowden Magazine for the full write-up and the visuals. And you can also get a feel for the wonderful work of Iman Ali on imanali.com. That's E-M-A-N-A-L-I.com. And we'll put those links in the episode description as well. Big up Galdem magazine. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I've got two scoops actually of the week. The first Ooh. one. Oh, two okay. Scoops. Feeling greedy um, today. But I brief them. I know, I know. And I'm going to um elaborate on them later as we go on because some topical issues in the country that we faced with. Um the first one, we've had a rise in um queer people being killed um for hate crimes in South Africa. Um, the last couple of weeks has been horrible for um, the queer community. Um, we also feel like there's not much being done by our leadership in terms of addressing these type of issues because um, all lives matter, queer lives matter, trans lives matter, you know? Amen. And um, this is, is happening all the time now and it's escalating and nothing is being done by the government when it comes to this. So... Um, yeah, we're raising awareness, definitely raising awareness this side, hoping that um, things will turn around um, for the better. And my second one um, is that we are battling with the coronavirus. Um, we were told last week that we are in the very early stages of um, wave number three. So it's a bit disturbing, it's alarming. I mean, we're from a third world country, so um, lockdown is only for the privileged and mm -hmm. people that um, are able to sustain themselves or live at home with Wi-Fi and are able to work from home. Um, but not majority of South Africans are able to do that currently at the moment. So it's just um, been a struggle the whole year. And now I feel like we're going to another struggle, another period where I don't know what's going to happen because already a lot of people have lost their jobs and, and, and you know, are living below the poverty line. So, yeah, those are my two scoops, but I'll definitely get into them much later in the, in the episode. Well, not too much later. Let's get into it. Oh, yeah. Right let's now. do that. Let's do that. So, Donald, you brought up the COVID situation in South Africa. Yes. Um, and, you know, right now in the UK, everyone's talking about June 21st, when we're supposed to be getting this, you know, full freedom. Yeah. To be able to go out, mask free, yeah. some people are saying, and, you know, clubs, bars, restaurants will be open. So, you know, yeah. So here we are kind of looking forward to these potential privileges who knows with this government right <laughs> if it's even going to happen but what's what's the situation at home where you are um so we went through our second wave um of covid in around december period um beginning of december late december um it was terrible because we usually have, I mean, I don't know, us Africans, we we come from big families. And in December, um, like for an example, me, I I stay in, in, in a rural area um, where my parents are in the free state. 
um, but I work in Johannesburg and I've been living here for more than 10 years now. But um, in December, everybody that works here that does not live here, they commute back home for like your Christmas lunch and your uh, New Year's and New Year's Eve celebrations. Um, so it was rather difficult because you are thinking to yourself, I haven't gotten the vaccine yet. My folks are over 60. Um, I'm here in Johannesburg where, of course, because it's a densely populated area, there are more cases um, compared to like the rural areas. You're also thinking to yourself, bars are open, clubs are still open, even though there's still curfew. Um, it becomes a whole thing of... Do, I don't want to put as much people in danger as possible because with me staying at home and me going out for lunches and social, being social with my friends, I am putting my folks, I might put my folks in danger for all of this. Yes, fine, I'm young, you know, um, I work out and all of that, don't have any comorbidities. So I'm thinking I could be fine by myself, you know, but like when, when it's time to move home, and stuff like that, then it becomes difficult. So December was rather difficult. Um, we got out of the second wave by mid-January, February. Current situation now, it's um, touch and go. We are going to third wave now. There's rumors of third waves. Numbers are increasing. The vaccine um, is very slow. I think the last time I checked was 300,000 people that were vaccinated um, and we are millions here, millions, you know. Um, they did say something about vaccinating the elderly 60 and above by mid-May um, and only by like October, November, that's when the rest of the population, including me, will be vaccinated. So wow. it's a bit of a... Um, we are enjoying our lives. We're trying to get back to normal, but we not really can't get back to normal because there's this thing that's hovering over us. So it's been a quite a difficult um, period. And also, I mean, we're from a developing country, you know, and most people here um, are below the poverty line, which is something that is said. And, and I said before, um, lockdown and, and isolation and quarantine is such a privilege. Um, if you are able to do that alone without being in contact with your family, um, then you are privileged because um, you find people in one shack rooms who are like live six of them. How are they supposed to isolate or quarantine or, you know, all of that? So the situation we'll is rather... Yeah, pay the bills, you know, have something to eat, you know. And we saw it when the beginning of lockdown happened where literally everyone that I knew was just losing their jobs and getting retrenched. So the, um, it's, it's rather tough at the moment in our country. What's the feeling been like um, in the queer community, especially, you know, around people you know? How has the queer community been affected by such... Um, it's, it has been affected like the rest, um, uh, like in terms of charities, charities need more of our help. Um, and also with with the lockdown and the strict rules, I don't know if I told you guys this, but um, with our lockdown and what most people around the world don't understand is that they also ban alcohol, which um, the reason why they ban it is because they're saying that um, alcohol is the number one cause of trauma in hospitals. 
So by banning alcohol, you're reducing the traumas in the ER. Mm. That means it's freeing up bed space for people to sort of come in when they need ventilations and all of that. But with that said, and I understand completely where it comes from, um, people get angry when there's no alcohol. Yeah. You know, they get, they get really upset because, you know, other people use it to relax and, you know, just chill after like a long week. So a lot of things have started to surface. A lot of factors have started to surface, like um, gender-based violence mm. has now really increased. Um, you know, and now queer killings as well and all of that is really increased. So the climate right now, it's a bit shaky um, because what, we don't know what's going to happen with the future. We've already lost a lot of people. And, you know, it's just like, can this thing be over now, you know? Um, and in terms of the queer community, I think we're trying to get back to normal, as normality as possible. Um, yeah, and I've seen a whole revolution of queer people helping each other out during these difficult times Good. you know by either speaking out by either volunteering at um charities you know by offering psychological services you know the winter is coming so there's a queer um, organization that's doing the winter drive and all of those kind of things so um the community is coming together in this terrible times in this tough times which is very, very nice to see. Very nice. How are you managing to keep safe amongst all of this? You know, not just with COVID regulations. Here we have to wear masks when we're indoors. Yeah. It's only, it's only outdoor seating now. So there's no, yeah. you know, we're sitting out in the cold, girl. Yeah, yeah. Trying to, no. trying to have a meal. But how... Two questions for you. How are you managing to, to, to stay safe during the pandemic? And how are you navigating your day-to-day life as a queer black man in, as a gay black man in, in Johannesburg? In Johannesburg. Um, so your first question, um, we try as hard to keep safe. Um, it's very difficult when you are a social person and you're a social being. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, live, I live alone. You know, so um, during the week for me, everything, I've adapted this new normal because, I mean, we used to go to the office every day, Monday to Friday, you know, and there was a strict, you know, time. You go there, you come back and all of that. But now it has changed dramatically where a lot of us are now starting to work from home. A lot of us have been working from home. Um, so you've, you've had to learn to adapt to this new life where... Um, you don't have to be stuck in traffic. Personally, I love it. I love it. I don't have to be stuck <laughs> in traffic. So working from home, um, not stuck in traffic, which is fantastic. Because um, it could take me an hour, 30 minutes to get to work um, on a normal day. Stuck in traffic. Journey, yeah. And the coming back again, no stuck in traffic as well. Um, I don't have to wake up much earlier now anymore you know, to prepare for this. Um, my shirts and my blazers and my pants have just been sitting there, you know, <laughs> um, gathering dust. Um, so in terms of that, I'm quite happy. Um, however, there are disadvantages to working home because now um, there's no switch off button because when you're at work, mm -hmm. that one hour, 30 minutes in traffic is your time to sort of switch off and change into your 
I'm leaving the office now. This is my life and all of that. Yeah. So, um, perks and whatnot, but for me, I prefer working from home and I'm happy working from home because I feel I'm in more control of my time and I use my time very well when I'm in control of it. Um, so during the week, I'm quite safe. Um, I work out, so I'm always um, at the gym. Um, the gym, probably the safest space you can be during COVID right now, for, in my opinion. Um, rules are followed to the T. I mean, no mask, no entry. Um, you, only t- you only take your mask off if you're doing like vigorous exercise. Um, so if you're on the treadmill or like, you know, you're on the rowing machine and you're like breathing heavy, then you're allowed, but you must be like a meter or two away from somebody else. Um, and then there's hand sanitizers everywhere. I mean, you know, everybody's keeping social distancing unless you, if you're training with someone. Um, and yeah, temperatures are taken and all of that. So during the week, I think I'm as safe as it could be. The problem becomes when it's time now to hit the streets and go out. Because, and party. Um, and party. Bar <laughs> is still open. Um, there's still the rule to say no, no um, entry, no, no mask, no entry. Um, but unfortunately, the minute you walk in, into the bar, it's just, you know, you buy a drink. The mask comes straight off. The mask gets to your chin. <laughs> Come on, Chin next, next thing you know it, it's in the bag or in your pocket. Oh, you God. Know. So it's it's one of those situations where you try to keep as safe as possible. The people that you came with, you know, if you're sitting at a table, the people that you came with, you try as much to stick with them as possible mm. and try to keep social distancing with that state. We try to go to bars where we know that there's a patio slash outside area slash inside. Okay. Like there's a bar where there's like, I don't know if you guys know, like these tents, the stretchy tents that you have. So there's a bar that we know um, that's got that. So there's a lot of ventilation coming in. So you choose your clubs okay. like that. Yeah, you're like, oh, this one is too closed. Off. So what if you want to, what if you want to wind up on a gentleman? You know, is that still happening or not really? Um, I don't think it'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll stop. I don't like. I really don't. Like, it would be an injustice for us. Like, we'd live our lives <laughs> like insane. No, it does happen. Of course, you're in a club, and of course, you've been. You've had one or two. There will be that guy where you go. Mm, he's cute. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my God, he's looking at me. I'm looking at him. Okay, let's let's see. And then um, that time, the alcohol has taken its place, its rightful place rightful, in your body. Yes. Rightful place. And yeah, you you. My friends always say, "Friend, I'm going to risk it all." And then you Ooh. just go and talk. <laughs> I'm going to risk it all, and you just go, just go and chat up the boy. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the situation. It's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's as normal as it can get with the masks on. So, Donald, tell us about who you are culturally and how that fits into the grand scheme of South Africa, because South Africa is a very unique nation and how it formed and how all these cultures 
have come together. You call it the Rainbow Nation, right? The Rainbow Nation. The Rainbow Nation um, is a dream that we haven't achieved. I believe that. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. A lot of work. Um, I feel people are not coming to the party. But as generation goes, I think it's going to get better and it's starting to look better. Um, so I'm originally from the free state in a rural town called Kwakwa. That's where I'm from. So Kwakwa is um, predominantly full of Sotho people. Um, so that's where I come from. Um, my dad is Zulu. Uh, my mom is Tswana and grew up in a Sotho area. And people always ask me because my, my surname is Zulu because of my dad, because I took my dad's surname. And people always ask me, especially when I came to Joburg, uh, because I did not speak any Zulu at all. The only Zulu I was exposed to when I was in the free state was on TV. Um, and it was literally, I'm not even joking, 5%. Mm. Um, so I grew up speaking Sesotho, um, got to Johannesburg, first year university at University of Johannesburg. And there, everybody's speaking Zulu. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And people would be like, so you are Nkomo. So you must be Zulu. Like, why don't you understand me when I speak Zulu to you? You know, and I'm like, oh, I kind of grew up in a Sutu predominant area. So that's what I speak. So, yeah, that's why I'm right now. I'm a little bit better with Zulu. Um, I can sort of like hear, like languages for me are very difficult to get. Um, so I kind of like hear now um, and I'm better over the years. But yeah, I'm predominantly Sotho, so I can speak Sotho, Pedi and Tswana fluently. Gorgeous. How many how many languages are there in in? So there are 11 official languages. 11 official languages, and each language comes with own culture and tradition. Um, and within the black community, we have nine, I think, of the 11. Because white people only have, white Indians and colored will only have, sorry, colored in our disclaimer, colored in South Africa means mixed race. Yeah. And is not as hectic as it is in America. The Thank word. you for that, because I know a lot of yeah. people will be like, up and on. like, ooh, girl, what did he just <laughs> the, say now? The more you know, the more yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, So, yeah, so that's how we, how we term it. And, and I was, a few years back when I found out, I think I found out from, I don't know, one of, one of the guys that was from America was here um, and stuff, and he was like, but you can't say that can't say that i'm like but what do you mean that's their ethnicity and he's like no not in i was like oh okay cool now i understand yeah so it's 11 official languages and then we've got nine for black people just for black people and each one literally it's its own tribe own tradition follow their own um, their own rituals and all of that so it's it's a diverse of like culture, which is beautiful. It's colorful. It's, 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 it's home. Mm -hmm. It's home. It's home. When, when you are within your tribe and they start speaking and they start singing and start doing these rituals that you'd go to and all of that, you really do have a sense of belonging. 
you know, and 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 we believe a lot in ancestors as well. The side, so um, a lot of stuff will be we doing things for our ancestors because we know that they got our back and they're gonna protect us and 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 be with us through this. We speak to our ancestors regularly, you know, and stuff like that. So it's 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 beautiful. It's beautiful to to be in this country with so much diversity mm-hmm. and like a trillion languages where you can literally be both black but not be able to understand each other yeah. and stuff like that. But it's awesome. It really is nice. So with nine out of 11 official languages, nine being of black people, how do you then form and find a shared experience within other community gatherings? So for example, in the club, let's just take that as a piece. If you, a group of your friends and a group of somebody else's friends, yeah, where do you find these shared experiences if your culture and languages are so different from each are other? Are so different. Um, so common languages to speak, to share experiences would be Zulu, Sotho, English. See, if you somewhere, somehow, somewhere, somebody knows one of those three languages. And it is very important for me to, to not lose my traditions and not lose my language and not lose my culture. Because the minute I switch, like right now, people think that I don't know a word of Zulu or I don't know, a, sorry, I don't know a word of Sutu. But the minute I switched, people are shocked because even my accent, the way I speak, changes and they're like but i didn't know that you speak like this it's because our whole traditions and culture very dear to me and i try by all means to start communicating off there before going anywhere else um so you try one of the three languages uh, i like to try sutu first if they're like oh we're struggling then we'll switch over to english but um almost everybody knows english yeah mm. yeah Something to do with Prince um, Queen Elizabeth or something. I don't something know. Something about colonization. <laughs> something, about, something about, you know, something about that coming yeah. through and doing something, which we'll not discuss. <laughs> yeah, because that doesn't exist anymore, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Living in our own country now. So, you know, on the subject yeah. of colonizers, so you spoke about South Africa being racist. Yes. What is your day-to-day experience and how, how does it, you know, I mentioned it, I mentioned how it popped up or how it pops up for me in the last episode, but how does it manifest itself in your day-to-day? In my day-to-day? Um, so I don't know what happened or how it happened and why I chose Johannesburg, but I chose Johannesburg and I'm glad I chose to stay and live in Johannesburg because um, this is this is probably one of the only places where you find an array of different people. I mean, it's the central of the country. It's where the economy, most of the economy is at. It's where most people live who are contributing to the economy. You know what I mean? So... Um, it's there, but it's, it's, it's not spoken of. I think I know my place. I think we all know each other's places when it comes to that, okay, um, I'm black, he, he's white. It's still there, it's still there, whether we, we like it or not. 
Um, but I'm seeing this whole new generation of queer bodies and queer people. Um, young, 19, 20, 21. They're starting to sort of break that that stereotype of, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a white gay club and there's a black gay club. And then there is where... Not to say that you can't go to that club because you're black, but you're going to get there and feel out of place or get there and not enjoy yourself or get there and there's, you know, feel a bit uncomfortable because people that don't look like you are not there. Um, but there's this whole new, new wave of these kids who are coming after us now, getting into their adulthood, who are breaking such stereotypes and that's where my my thing came from earlier to say um there's a lot of work that's been done and there's continued to being done you know so um yeah in terms of my day-to-day i don't experience a lot of racism or overtly when somebody will say that to you because um people are quite careful with their words quite careful with the climate they know what's going on and so they're quite careful with which words to use and all of that. Mm. Um, so it doesn't. Um, I have, though, experienced a, quite a lot of racism in Cape Town. Cape Town is a bit rough. I mean, the whole city is set up to be rough, like only the affluent, the rich, and the white people basically are in the city and everyone else is, right. is in the outskirts. You know what I mean? So it's quite clear when you when you go to Cape Town and you see it in Cape Town that um, blacks are there to work and off in town, after they're there to work, they go back on the outskirts. But here in Johannesburg, if you go to the CBD right now, there's a bunch of black people who live there, who work there. There's white people. There's, you know, it's a metropolitan sort of area. So yeah, it's, it's, it's there. You know it's there. Can I share this? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So back in 2018, I celebrated my 30th birthday and I made it my decision to go to the African continent. Didn't know where, but I ended up going to South Africa. And of course, then when you go to South Africa, you have to pick, okay, where am I going to go? Big countries, lots of places geographically to go to. So automatically was like, okay, have to do Johannesburg. Duh. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so it was a two-week trip. And so it was a thing of selecting the second place. And so yeah. originally I had selected Cape Town because yes. also, duh, I guess, you know, for yes. a person who hasn't and, been there. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful um, city. <laughs> this happened around the time that the drought was happening. Yes. Oh. Um, and so the accommodation, something happened with the accommodations. And I, on my conscience, I was just like, oof. I just don't want to risk it because if we get to our place and the host is like, yeah, you can't take showers and you know, what, what are we going to have to do? So yeah. anyway, I, I vetoed on, on Cape town and chose Durban instead. Um, so anyway, preparing to go and I, I know a few South Africans here in London. And so would just chat mm-hmm. a, a multi- multitude of people, white people, black people, whatever, yeah. just to see, you know, where to go, what to do, and all yeah. that stuff. And so um, most of the Black people I know were like, you're going to Joburg, right? And I was like, yeah. They're like, great. Some people were completely against going to Cape Town because, like, it's 
as you say, you know, so racist, despite yeah. it being a world-class city. Oh, my um, word. It's beautiful. Um, and so I found it very interesting. And so a couple people were like, why are you going to Joburg? You're going to, you know, it's so dangerous there. It's, it's, you should never go there. And I'm just like, this sounds very reminiscent of what used to be said about neighborhoods where I'm originally from, like in Brooklyn, all of a sudden there's yes. a whole bunch of white people living in Brooklyn. Yes. And it's just like, I'm like, yo, I had to block all that out because it's like, yeah. again, where I grew up, like I grew up in some pretty rough neighborhoods, yes. um, which people wouldn't dare go visit, especially if, from, if you're from Manhattan. And I'm listening to these people go, don't go there. You're going to, you get robbed and all that stuff. Child, when we arrived there, we were like, this is utopia. First yeah. of all, to be, to be in a city where you see so many Black people in so many different situations and you don't feel like the other was so empowering. Oh, gotcha. To see yes. billboards, something as simple as a billboard, to see Black people black on a billboard. Yeah, yeah. It, it blew my mind. Blew yeah. my mind. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and so I'm so glad that I ended up going to Joburg. Like, I guess in time I'll visit Cape Town. Um, yes, just because it's a beautiful, experience it's a beautiful it. place. But the the magic that Johannesburg has, despite so many people still to this day like treating it like trash, outsiders, mm. I'll say that. Mm. Mm. Um, it's the, what is the magic. Portrayed... <laughs> It's also what is portrayed in the media, on TV, on movies. Um, it's always um, violent, um, tzotzi, you know, like um, stuff like that. I'm talking about the movie that won the Oscar, tzotzi, you know, where the guy robbed, you know, stuff like that yeah. and, and guns and all of that. Um, not to say that there aren't any, there are. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I mean, it's it's. It's a cool place to be around. It's literally is for me. I always tell my friends because my friends, two of my friends moved to Cape Town and they're like, no, when are you coming? When are you planning on moving to Cape Town? And I was like, guys, I'm okay here in Joburg. Like I can visit Cape Town for a weekend. That's beautiful. I mean, go to the Ocean Sea Table Mountain. That's beautiful for me. And then come back to Joburg. But I feel like here there's more diversity. Um you've got a better chance as a black person in Johannesburg to succeed than anywhere else in the country, you know? Um, and this is the hub. This is where you want to be. And also Cape Town is rather expensive. <laughs> it's rather <laughs> expensive. Yeah. I mean, you pay an apartment a lot of money just to have that ocean slash um, table Mountain view, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like after a friend of mine was telling me, he's like, friend, after I, I got this apartment, very small, but like very pricey, they had a view, just beautiful. But after like two months, I was like, really? <laughs> um, is, this even, is this even worth it? <laughs> you know, is it even worth it? So he's like, yeah, I was like, actually, no, I don't want a table mountain facing apartment and pay trillions of money. I just want a place, a comfortable place where I can sit. So um, it's very expensive. It's, it's very expensive and there's lots to do and it's beautiful. I mean, some of our social media influencers, like you already think of the beautiful videos and content mm. that you're going to be creating, you know, at every point. I mean, it's absolutely stunning, but it really... 
is for affluent people. If you really want to live a great life in Cape Town, you need to have money. So Donna, you are what we love to call in this day and age an influencer. Please tell us, how did you get to that point and how's it going now? Um, a part-time influencer. So, so what's the difference um, between part-time and full-time? So I don't do it full-time. Basically, I don't um, do it full-time. I don't know the explanation. I mean, it's uh, still murky waters here. Um, so I was really, really obsessed about Instagram when it launched. I don't know, something about it made me want to get into it. Um, I didn't know that there was people called social media influencers. I don't think social media influencers were there at the time. I can't remember. But um, I just started taking photographs. I started taking photographs and documenting my life. Um, instead of, because um, growing up, I used to have a diary where, you know, you'd write dear diary and write all your thoughts and whatever there. Um, I just then used um, social media as that diary where I um, I record things that happened into my life. Um, it happened to, all of a sudden, between like the three or four years that I was on on Instagram, all of a sudden I'm starting to gain a lot of followers and these followers are engaging in my content and what I have to say and the type of life that I'm living. Um, because, I mean, we are out here, you know, and um, a lot of people are like still in the closet and all of those kind of things. But now they get to see um, how queer life is through me, you know, with my stories and my pictures and all of those kind of things. Um, so, yeah, next thing I knew, I was on 5,000 followers and, like, getting likes. And my previous manager said to me, listen, um, there's this thing called social media influencers. This is what they do. You know, I was a blogger um, back in my day, so um, social media influencers are sort of like um, replacing, you know, your traditional bloggers in terms mm-hmm. of you collaborating with um, brands and all of that. Didn't think about that. <laughs> and I was like, really? It's like, yeah, no. And most of the bloggers that she knew were tapping into the Instagram you know, market now and instead of having their, they still have their blog, but now all of their content is feeding into social media. And I was like, okay, cool. There's something that we can try. And yeah, then we tried it um, and it worked. Trial and error here didn't work here. It worked and boom, today I find myself like deep within like getting um, deals and things to promote and yeah, just being myself you getting know that so influencer bag ah getting that influencer extra <laughs> money cash that's what we're doing <laughs> but yeah um yeah it's fun for me it's so much fun i don't see it as work um and i also think social media i always say this so crazy i also think social media um i would get to a place or me and my friends would go thrifting for an example would get to a shop and I'd see a coat 
and I'd be like, oh, this will look so great on Instagram. I've got uh, these pants. I've got that. I've got that. I'm like, oh, stunning. Yes, let's go. You know what I mean? Um, I get to a venue and already I'm just like, oh, great content. We could shoot this here, here, here. You know, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, today, for an example, I posted um, a picture with uh, a balaclava on. So a friend of mine was wearing the balaclava three or four weeks ago. And I saw the balaclava and I'm like, this would make such a great portrait for my Instagram. And I said, and I never slept properly that night, I promise you. And until today, where I went to him and I was like, you will borrow me that balaclava and you will take a photograph of me and I will take that photo. And like, Your it literally came out like a Oh my God. <gasps> I know, I know, right? I know. Y'all, so, okay, go to, uh, right now, as you are listening to this, I mean, he's probably going to post a whole bunch of pictures Yeah, since so. now, but <laughs> go to Donald's page, Donald Nkomo, so D-O-N-A-L-D-N-K-O-M-O, and check out this photo of him with this balaclava on. It is everything! Ah, uh, thank you, thank you. So I saw it on him, and he was just wearing it for fun, you know. We were, we were like drinking, having a few drinks, and he came out with a balaclava, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, my word. One day, I'm going to take a photograph. So I think in social media, so it's so... So it does, it's not a job for me, or it's not stressful for me. It's something that I really enjoy doing in my spare time because it comes naturally. Um, if clients ask for content... Um, I just need to read the brief. Um, it doesn't take a lot out of me. Um, I know what I want to um, to do and to capture so that I capture the brand as well. So, yeah, um, it's been going very well. Mm. Um, I, I, have, I have done well for, 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 for what I've, you know, put in, the work that I've put in. But, yeah, I enjoy it. It's, it's beautiful. And if you're allowed to say... Um, what are some of the brands you have worked on and worked for? Okay, so my latest brand that I worked for is Powerade. I don't know if you know, guys know Powerade. It's an mm, energy yeah. drink. Yeah, Powerade. I worked with Powerade. Um, I think my biggest campaign to date would be... Um, I don't know if you guys know Pushkin Vodka. There's a vodka that... Um, it's been sold here, Pushkin. Um, yeah, that was that was spectacular because I got to go to Ultra with them. What's that? And or where is that? Ultra is a festival. They are Ultra Festival. Oh. Yeah. Um, Black Coffee was playing. Oh my and a God. Whole, I love Black Coffee. I know, I know. Black Coffee and a whole other like great DJs. And we we had this um to come this campaign, um and the reason why they actually selected me was because of my, the previous year's outfit at Afropunk, and they were like, oh my god, so edgy, loved what you did, whatever, whatever. Are you able to come through for, um for Ultra? You know, do the same and all of that, and it was so beautiful, and yeah, so, I've worked on legit. Uh, yeah, Gillette, sorry, Gillette as well. I've done that. Um, yeah, some I can't remember now. All of this is visibility. You know, you're being exactly. seen. 
And, you know, yeah. you mentioned uh, people who are in the closet. They can see how you're living and what, and what life can be like. What life not, can not, be. Not, That's uh, what I try. <laughs> Do you have people up in your DMs? Is there a massive DL culture, you know, where you're at? I mean, what's um, the tea? Um, yeah, I've got a lot of people in my DMs. I'm not even going to be modest and say, no, it's just a word. No, <laughs> no. The DMs are full. Thank you. The DMs are popping. Thank you. And it's not like it's not like I also don't DM because I also DM. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm also within the DMs, so um, it's a two way thing. It's been filled up by me and the people. Yeah. So it's just a whole party. It's just a whole party. Um, there's still a whole culture of DL in South Africa, massive, and. Where you see it the most is on that app called Grinder, okay. which irks me so much. Um, yeah, that app is very problematic. That's where you see um, homophobia within the community and fat shaming, slut shaming, all the shamings, femme shaming, everything there. Um, yeah, but outside that app, um, you don't see a lot of DL, but I know that there are a lot of people that are following me who are in the closet or are DL, right. you know. So, yeah. There is a, a huge DL culture here. You talk about this, fat, you know, fat shaming and, and racism that are on these apps. You know, yeah. here where we're at, you've got some of these dating apps talking about, you know, we want to battle racism we want to take away the ethnicity filter and you know we're doing all of these amazing things bullshit 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 by the way yeah um, Yeah. where you're at are you seeing are people still being loud and proud in their ignorance and racism on these apps yes very much so like you would get to a for example a white person's profile and the person will say whites only um, you get to a black person's profile and the black person will literally speak in their native language so that only right. black people understand what they're trying to say. You know what I okay. mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, you would get onto a profile on Grinder and see um, no fats. Literally, no fats, no femmes. Literally, mm. they write it like that. You know, and it's, it's, yeah. And then everybody says it's preference, but uh, I don't know. I think you're hiding using your preference from your homophobia, you know? Um, So it's a tricky situation. It's a tricky subject because, um, yes, we are attracted to certain types of people, you know, uh, but also on the other hand, you need to be mindful of not you know, being discriminative and and all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are you dating anyone? <sighs> no, I'm not. I'm not dating anyone at the moment. Um, I have been single for what, six months now, six, seven months. Okay. Um, and yeah, I'm just just having fun with my friends. Literally, that's what I'm doing. This period, I'm just having fun with my friends. And is there a potential? Maybe. Maybe there's a potential. Who knows? 
Um, am I in people's DMs? Are they in my DMs? Absolutely, they are. <laughs> well, you probably gonna you have know. a whole bunch of other people trying to yeah. slide up in there. Slide up. Ooh, and- let me come. Let me come visit you in South yeah, Africa. in South Africa. Yeah, I'd love that. You said you got your own place, right? Right. Yeah, I do. Oh, mm. then you. <laughs> <laughs> Can host. Can host. <laughs> yes, exactly. So nobody's going to disturb me. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm, this period of my life is, um, yeah, it's, things are changing right now. And I'm just not talking about COVID, but I think COVID and the coronavirus had, has escalated how things in the future um, are now here and we're faced with them now, you know? So, um, a lot, a lot is changing right now and I'm trying to see where I fit in, you know. I'm exploring a whole lot of things about my life and who I am, my purpose for being here. Um, I'm exploring those kind of things. I mean, it's growth now, you know, and um, I'm no longer 20, and I'm no longer a twink, you know, at Liquid Blue. Um, the only thing that stresses me is my assignment. No, it's never that. You know, now it's, I've got, got responsibilities now. And what do I need to do? The impact that I need to have to the world. What sort of like print do I need to leave or mark do I need to leave when I leave this earth? You know, it's those kind of questions now that they're coming to me where I'm just like, okay, um, what is my purpose? Who am I really that I'm trying to explore? And I'm having so much fun with that. And I think that with a person in your life, it's kind of like very difficult to, you know, explore those elements of your life. Thank you so much, Donald, again for joining us. Is there any last thing you want to share with the people who are listening, who, mind you, are all over the world? I just want to say thank you for listening. Um, Just be you. Like, just be the best possible version of you and just live your life. Live your life right now and live it to the fullest. Thank you for having me. You can keep up with Donald on Instagram at Donald and Cuomo. So that's D-O-N-A-L-D-N-K-O-M-O. Get into the beauty of not only his page, but also his fabulous experiences and his whole entire being, especially that smile, which I love so dearly. So I'm just going to book my flight to South Africa. But whilst I'm doing that, communicate with us via email at contact at twoscoopspodcast.com and on Instagram at twoscoopspodcast and you can also find us on Twitter at twoscoops underscore pod catch us next time for another episode of Two Scoops Two Scoops Two Scoops Two Scoops